0: Hi, it's Brett Hill here. If you thought last year's Wellness Summit was big, just wait for the 2015 edition. There's new speakers, a new venue, new exhibitors, new everything and we would love to have you there. Our selection of two for one tickets sold out in less than 48 hours last year, so if you want to join 600 like-minded health and wellness enthusiasts as well as your favourite Wellness Couch podcasters, then make sure you go to www.thewellnesscouch.com and register for the early bird list. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to The Abnormal Psychologist, the show that shares everyday insights into getting the best out of your mind, body, and lifestyle. Now please welcome your host, The Abnormal Psychologist herself, Carrie Thompson-Casey. Hello, how are you going? Welcome to another episode of The Abnormal Psychologist with me, your host, Carrie Thompson Casey, the show where we are giving you the how-to to get the best out of you. And today we are talking to the amazing Rani Farmer. Now, Rani was in my life quite some time ago. I'm not going to give you exact years, but back in my early uni days, um, Rani and I used to have mutual subjects together and we hadn't seen each other for quite some time. And recently we ran into each other at an event for women in Brisbane. It was so nice to see her and hear what she's up to. So amazing. In fact, I thought I had to share it with you all. So welcome Rani. Hi Carrie, how are you? Yeah, I'm great, thanks. So Rani, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your story.
1: Well, it's been a long journey. I obviously attended uni with you Carrie, which was some time ago. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Since that time, um, I guess you could say I was quite a career-driven person. I didn't uh, end up utilising my psychology degree in the way that we probably would have thought. I ended up in the sales and marketing area for sporting companies. Oh, right. uh, Which which was really exciting um, and something I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, and then I moved on to opening a cafe because I thought that was something I'd always aspired to do. So I did that in Wollongabba in Brisbane. And then <laughs> I moved into the project management area um, with Griffith University in the School of Medicine, managing a longitudinal birth cohort study. Uh, so I guess you could say my life and career moved around in a full circle. Yeah, so indeed, Yeah, through sales and marketing, and then right back where we started uh, with a psychological focus in project management.
0: Although it's interesting Uh, because a lot, you know, a great deal of psychologists are our role is being persuasive. So it sort of uh, has, a, yeah. has quite a nice fit with sales <laughs> and marketing. You know, we're trying to persuade people to, um, to identify what's not working and, and sell the idea that perhaps these other ways of thinking and behaving um, might exactly. be beneficial. So certainly that element of persuasion would be a common theme, <laughs> but certainly a variety of work roles. That sounds really interesting. So, so then you went on to do the cohort study?
1: Yes, so I've been involved with the Environments for Healthy Living birth cohort study here at Griffith for eight years now. Uh, Unfortunately, due to funding cuts in the last couple of years, we're in the process of wrapping up the project. But I've recently started a new project, which is actually in the mental health area around creative storytelling for consumers and carers with partners in recovery. And that's, that's very interesting, and certainly in the early days. So I'm looking forward to following that project through
0: as well. Wow, very interesting. Mm. So, um, so what about other parts of your story? So, mm. so what have you been up to in Brisbane?
1: Okay, well as you can see, my my work life probably took up a great deal of my time. Um, I. Met my husband. We both live here in Brisbane and we met uh, nearly 10 years ago. Motherhood came late in my life, so I was, as said, very focused on my career. Um, I met my husband. Uh, we had a little boy, um, he's four now, and through that experience, I was actually diagnosed with postnatal depression and anxiety when he was eight months old. So, very much did the type A personality thing, where I was in denial about what was going on for me for a really long time. Uh, And yeah, so eight months down the track, I was diagnosed, my husband and I um, have a wonderful relationship, which has been really fortunate and certainly very grounding for this experience. Um, We'd been renovating our home and really just working hard on creating, I guess, a a beautiful home for our soon-to-be family. So the diagnosis of PND really, I guess, shook us up a lot in terms of our relationship. But at the same time, once the diagnosis was made, it also allowed us a platform, I guess, to work from and work through it together. So it, it in some ways was not a wonderful experience in a lot of ways it wasn't wonderful but in many ways um it actually has strengthened our relationship quite a lot so So that's been really
0: good that's it's good that you had that support but can you tell me a little bit about what was going on for you um what was your experience of postnatal depression what was happening that was different to your usual way of functioning
1: okay it's it's really it's funny. hindsight gives you a a wonderful opportunity yeah. to really <laughs> to really see what was happening at the time. And for me, I guess coming from a very professional area of work, um, I was thirty six when I had uh, Callan, and I guess I was used to having everything in my life um, manageable and within my control. Um, My birth experience with Kellen was very much out of my control. It was an exceptionally long labour. It was a traumatic labour. And whilst I delivered him what they call naturally, I didn't really feel like there was anything natural about it. Um, And it probably shook me up a lot more than I realised at the time, um, to the point of you know, psychologists that I've seen since mentioning that perhaps there was an element of post-traumatic stress um, happening around the birth trauma and just the general treatment I received from the midwives at the time. Okay. So yeah, that was pretty horrible. Oh no. Mm, So that probably was a bit of a catalyst. I think if any one thing happened just on its own, I think perhaps I could have dealt with it, but there was a number of things in that first six months of Callan's life that really shook us up. He he developed severe eczema at three months old um, and for a control freak, you can imagine how difficult that was when I didn't know what the answer was or what was causing it and when your babe's got weeping cheeks and weeping sores and, you know, you just don't know how to fix him. Mm. Um, It was really traumatic. I ended up weaning him um, early at the advice of um, paediatricians. And it was actually a very good decision um, for my own mental health, but also it turned out that he had a severe dairy and egg allergy. Um, to the point of anaphylaxis, so even through my breast milk, that the dairy allergy was what was causing his eczema. So within a month of being on a soy-based formula, he actually improved out of sight and his eczema has been manageable ever since. So that was around seven months we, um, I guess, found an answer to those allergies Um for him but I think by that time certainly mentally for me the damage had already been done Um, and I developed recurrent mastitis in weaning him off so quickly and it was just sort of one thing after another and I definitely felt like my grasp of reality those feelings of completely failing as a mother um, and not being able to to give him what he needed,
0: where you know, obviously, in I was doing a good job, but yeah. in
1: my mind, I I was struggling. You were very looking,
0: much. you were looking through that lens of, you know, perhaps, not, for want of a better word, that perfectionism feeling, yes. as though, from that type A perspective, that you know, what Definitely. I've mastered all these things, why can't I master this thing that's meant to be so natural? Um, Absolutely. Why, why is it so hard?
1: Yeah, and, I mean, you know, you look around us every day at the the media perception of motherhood and how mums talk about their experiences, and I think we're getting so much better at at being a little more honest around the hardships that come hand in hand with parenthood, But, but... I think too we don't talk about the really hard stuff. And when you're dissolving into tears every five seconds, you're too afraid to leave the house in case, you know, the anxiety gets too much and the cracks begin to show. And being the perfectionist, you know, not wanting anyone to realise that you're not coping, um, it was exhausting. Absolutely, Absol- yes, exhausting. it sounds it. And
0: yeah. <laughs> was there was there any element there? I mean, not just the type A stuff about feeling needing to be in control and Mm. that about being a psychologist or feeling that you know you're in human services at the very least that perhaps (laughs) you know and I think this is what people misunderstand about health professionals is Mm. that in some ways we lack insight in the worst possible way um, absolutely because other people think that we should know better but it's people don't understand often that 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 understanding is often directed out it's in, it's in yeah. observation of others. It's in conversation with others. It's not necessarily a self-reflective process where you would run yourself through an initial assessment in your own mind. <laughs> <laughs> because even well, if we did, we that's like it. actually, two.
1: yeah, and that's actually very true, Carrie, because um, what ultimately happened for me was that I worked in an industry in hospital birth suites with midwives Um, our questionnaires for the project centered around maternal mental health and of course it took me eight months to be diagnosed um, because I was I was in complete denial about what was going on for me I I know this stuff I have the knowledge around this stuff and I I should of course I would know if I had postnatal depression but the biggest thing for me was in my mind and this is what surprises me and was a real wake-up call for me because in my mind with all the knowledge all the experience you know everything around it I thought that to have postnatal depression you had to want to harm yourself or your baby and because I didn't tick that box in the list of symptoms I I didn't have it in my mind so That was such a wake-up call for me and a total realisation that you don't have to tick all the boxes. Postnatal depression isn't about wanting necessarily to harm your baby because in my experience, you know, there are women that, that do have those intrusive thoughts, but in my experience, my baby was the reason I woke up every morning. He was the only reason I would get up and face the day and get through the day, but everything else in my life fell apart. Wow. So you know, it was, it was just amazing to me that, you know, I just had it so wrong.
0: And again, like you said, despite being surrounded by so much information, mm. and I think that's really <laughs> important for women to understand as well. Definitely, that you know, it's it's not about being a failure, you know, because even you, surrounded by, uh, you know that project I mean it's such an irony really isn't it That you know <laughs> totally. you know a psychologist on a maternal mental health project I mean but but again it's just such a powerful message and you know such a brave yeah. message because you're telling women look if this can happen to me it really can happen mm-hmm. to anybody and it's not about not loving your baby or as you said it's not about wanting to harm the baby that it's just about your capacity to cope that's a bit more more um, pervasive or by pervasive I mean um, feeling more disabled mm. by how you're um, after the baby, M- more than just baby blues as they say. You know, often yeah. on day three after it. having a baby, women can feel quite teary. With the changes in hormone levels and and their milk coming in, as they say, um, and it can be quite an uneven period. But when that's persisting well past taking yeah. the baby home, and it's more than just exhaustion exhaustion from lack of sleep, um, then yeah. So I think you know it's very it's amazing that you're telling your story, and, and I think it's a really great message to people that you know mental illness you you know can happen to anybody at any point in time. But it sounds like that. Once you were diagnosed, and once you had the courage to seek out support, that things did start to change for you. So, what happened next after that diagnosis at eight months? What sort of okay. supports kicked in?
1: Okay, so what happened was, um, I'll explain a little about how I came to the realization of what. Yeah, great. You Tell for me. Um, I was invited to go to, over to Stradbroke Island, actually, with my husband's family, and we were invited to go for 10 days. And I said to my husband, I can't go for 10 days. I said, I will not be able to keep myself together for 10 days. Because again, it was all about putting this mask on in public and going about my business. Yet, if I was around people for 10 solid days, there was no way my cracks weren't going to show. And I was very aware of that. So I said to him, I can give you four days. So we went over for a long weekend and um, it was wonderful, beautiful weather, beautiful family photos, wonderful, wonderful times. And then I got home and I was going through the photos and as you do, I was uploading them onto Facebook and all of a sudden it just came over me. You are an absolute fake. And it was this overwhelming feeling of complete Just the disassociation between how I was feeling inside, the crumbling and the falling apart and just completely broken and this smiling, happy mum with her family on holidays on Stradbroke Island. And I just dissolved into tears, completely hysterical, collapsed on the floor. My husband couldn't console me. And I just said, I need help. This is not me. This is not who I am. And I remember going through the mastitis, my GP had said to me, if these feelings don't improve for you, this feeling of you know crying and feeling completely helpless, um, she said, you need to come back and see me. And had she not said that, I don't think I would have been as ready to go and just talk through it with her. So I was very fortunate in that way because we do find that there's a lot of GPs that aren't as supportive, um, in the mother's experience. There are also some excellent ones as mine was. Um, so yeah, I went and saw her and I, Dissolved into tears, and she did the Edinburgh <clears throat> Postnatal Depression Scale, which I scored quite highly on. Okay, and <laughs> and um, she said, "Look, you've got postnatal depression, and probably quite a significant amount of anxiety. Um, you know, I think the best combination of treatment for you would be um, to go and see a psychologist to have some." therapy-based intervention, but also some medical-based interventions. So I was prescribed antidepressants, um, which I had always been quite uh, against in life, I guess, because I'd only ever really dealt with one bad thing at a time. Um, I didn't realise... You know they do have a place in the the holistic approach to yes. depression and for me I was not going to get well without that intervention as well so yeah, I came home. I filled my prescription. Came home, threw the packet on the bench, and said to my husband, "Right, I'm officially crazy. Are you happy?" <laughs> <laughs> and he he was so relieved, Carrie. He was like, oh, thank goodness, we know what's going on. Because he was he was beside himself. He didn't know how to help me, and as guys do, he just wanted to fix it, and he couldn't. Yeah. So to have a diagnosis. Um, he was totally wrapped. <laughs> That's right. So from that point on, we, we just really focused on getting better. Um, we we really worked together and I would watch him manage me, which was quite interesting. He could sense if I'd had a particularly hard day or things were getting a little bit on top of me and he would take, um, you know, Kellen out and, you know, just give me time on my own. And, and together, I guess you know there were still really bad days and really you know awful times but gradually over the course of probably the next year to 18 months um things significantly improved for us oh, and it was such a hear. relief
0: yes yeah so I guess the moral of that section is you know <laughs> um do ask for help if you if you yeah. notice that 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 as you said that this you said this wasn't me you knew that that this was more than you've had to um, bear before that it was just you know persistent as well and that you felt you really needed some kind of external support more than um, what your husband was able to provide it needed some intervention and so that's so great that you were able to go back to that GP that you felt comfortable with and I encourage people if they're not getting the response they need from the first health professional they see to go and find someone else who does understand you.
1: And I think that's a really hard part, Carrie, because I think the courage it takes for mums in this position and dads, I mean, let's face it, dads get postnatal depression too. And I think in a harder way for them sometimes, that reaching out and actually going to ask someone for help is a massive, massive step and the hardest thing that they'll probably ever have to do. And if if your GP at that time is non-responsive to what is really going on, It can feel again like you're an absolute failure, you're being silly, you're you're just not coping, all parents go through this, you know, and and it's not right. So as you said, I definitely feel that if you don't get help the first time, please persevere and go talk to people, ask them, do you have a GP you could recommend that um you know is quite sensitive um to how I'm feeling? Because you'd be surprised how many good GPs there are out there and you know they they are supportive but finding them can sometimes be a struggle and this is non-discriminatory anyone anyone can go through this and that's what I've realized it's just so unique
0: yes what about so you're involved in some perinatal wellness work at the moment Yes. So tell us a little bit about that
1: okay so through my experience i connected with uh an organization here in brisbane it's a charity um, peach tree perinatal wellness they're brisbane based and it was started by two moms um, who had their own history of perinatal mental illness Um, and they they just realized the i guess the massive gray area that exists um, between going to your GP, then I guess the psychiatric intervention of somewhere like um, Belmont Mothers and Babies Unit, right, um, which is a hospital stay facility, and in between, other than you know psychological help and things like that, there was there was not a lot of support around for mums and families going through perinatal mental illness. So. They started um, peer support groups um, initially on the north side of um, Brisbane, but now there are peer support groups starting on the south side as well. Uh, so at the moment, they have five locations at Caboolture, Stafford, Bulimba, uh Logan East, and also one starting in North Queensland in Yapoon. Okay, great. Yeah, and soon to be on the Sunshine Coast, I believe, as well. So... I wasn't ready at the beginning to facilitate um, a peer support group. I was still um, quite sensitive and still getting through my own um, issues, I guess. So I started helping from a strategic business support
0: role because that was your skill
1: set that's your yeah Yeah, great yeah that's right and getting back into I guess that feeling of being able to help with with knowledge that you know you kind of grasp onto when you're a mother because you you kind of want to feel useful with your
0: (laughs) previous career stuff and that's Um, also great in terms of low (laughs) mood too getting that sense of um, achievement or or getting tasks completed can be really important for improving mood Absolutely. Um,
1: yeah, so I started, um, providing business support and help and, you know, with documentation and, and structure and all of those things. And then eventually, um, I helped start the Balimba group, um, as a co-facilitator with another lady. And, um, then we hit a bit of a snag in the road in that i fell pregnant again okay right
0: (laughs) so was everyone sort of like okay let's go into this with a a plan (laughs) well we
1: we had actually decided um pretty pretty definitely in the november that we would not have any more children dane had wanted children and i had wanted more children um And I was sort of like, well, no, I don't really want to put our family through that again. I was was unsure as to how I'd respond. So when we fell pregnant, it was a real shock and it was something, I guess it probably took me four to six months of the pregnancy to really come to terms with the fact that we were having another baby and that I, I would be going through this again. But you know what? the the support the second time around, I guess, from those closest to me, um, my obstetrician, my GP, uh, my husband, everyone was was so great. Um, and you know, again. There's a lot of pressure around mums um, in society about taking medication through pregnancy, taking medication whilst breastfeeding. And it was advised to me both by my GP and my obstetrician to continue my antidepressants. It was one that was safe to take um, on the dose that I was on um, throughout my pregnancy and also whilst breastfeeding. So I was actually able to manage the second pregnancy really well and it was an experience that um kind of turned my previous experience around so you know i guess the cliche is things happen for a reason and um i do believe that um our little girl holly um she she definitely has rounded our family out beautifully from
0: that point of view Oh, lovely that's great so tell me rani what have you learned about uh, other people through this experience
1: Well, (laughs) a lot.
0: Yes.
1: Um, I guess, look, I I will be honest, Carrie, and say I was the person who, you know, with allergies, there was a really lovely lady here at work whose son had allergies, and I was the mum that was like, oh, come on, not the mum, the woman who would be like, come on, you know, how, how hard can it possibly be? You know, yeah. why do you have to use different knives and different bowls and, you know, all this sort of thing? And I guess I was judgmental just from a lack lack of that personal experience and understanding and I think my experience has definitely shown me with regard to allergies and anaphylaxis but also with regard to mental illness that you know, there's no place for judgment in this space. There absolutely is no place for it. And I think my levels, you know, my tolerance, my my non-judgment of people now, just the understanding that everybody's story is so individual and so unique and just being able to provide an ear for them to talk and yes. be heard is just so valuable. Definitely yeah and through the peach tree peer support groups as well like the courage and bravery i've seen some of those mums gain just because they are in an environment that's safe non-judgment comfortable secure and they can just share and just be totally honest about what's going on in their experience they can talk to other mothers that have been through it and it's totally inspirational i have to say yes it's yeah. really awesome yeah it's great so yeah. people cope the way that they do Yeah. So um, and also, I guess (laughs) the other biggest thing is just that whole thinking around what constitutes a good pregnancy and and, you know, a good mother Um, is not necessarily what people think. And I'm definitely, as Peachtree is, of the opinion that, um, you know, a well mother is a well baby and if that means taking medication throughout pregnancy if that means not breastfeeding because the levels of anxiety around breastfeeding and you know the the feelings of failure and the impact psychologically that that is having on the mum if that means that she's going to be a better mum for not breastfeeding then sometimes we need to we need to hear that and we need to not judge that
0: and we need to say you know what that's okay and we support you. And I think I agree with you there again before having um, my own children thinking about, you know, why wouldn't anyone breastfeed? And and I had a a baby going, why wouldn't you breastfeed? I mean, that was just crazy, you know, go natural, man. And then, you know, but, you know, again, working with women with postnatal depression and and understanding that as as much as I guess it's a gift to be able to breastfeed your child, it's also a very physically – draining process. And, and for some women, if it doesn't go well, very psychologically draining. And I absolutely agree with you that in some cases, although yes, breastfeeding would be great and that might be very okay. easy for some, yeah. that for some women, it's actually becomes not harmful, but it contributes to that overall sense of being really overwhelmed and completely depleted. So I absolutely agree that although ideally people don't necessarily want to be taking medication during pregnancy or breastfeeding Mm -hmm. or not breastfeeding, that there most definitely can be a place for those um, in in the treatment for some women with postnatal depression.
1: Well, you know, Carrie, like I guess I always bring it back to, you know, if you had a broken arm, someone's not going to tell you to not put it in plaster because you're pregnant. And if a medication's safe to take, it's almost the same type of analogy. It's like, well, you know what, you know to take medication and to be well and to be healing and being able to manage what what's going on in your life. You know, the the benefits far outweigh, you know, the disadvantage um, you know. So, yeah, I I agree. It it it's a very controversial topic, but it's something that I, I definitely, uh, I listen a lot more and I hear a lot more and I'm a lot less judgmental around choices.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So what about yourself? What have you learned about yourself (laughs) through your experiences?
1: Oh my goodness. Um, well, expectations. (laughs) I, (laughs) I think, you know, you would know me from university days. I think I've always been someone that places the most ridiculous expectations on myself to achieve, um, you know, to be the best that I can be. And whilst that's not a bad thing, you know, they they say quite often your greatest strength is your greatest weakness. And certainly with regard to being totally career-focused, having children later in life, um, I feel like the expectations I was placing on myself as mother were totally damaging to my um, overall experience. And and it was really coming to terms with those and really lessening my load with regard to the expectations I was placing on myself that I've taught, I've learned the most about. Um, I struggle with it every day still. I have to catch myself, remind myself that, you know, give yourself a break for goodness sake. Like, you know, not everyone has to be doing all of this all of the time just right just you know let it go yes so yeah i think that's a massive one yes expectations um tolerance you know that whole um idea around judgment i was talking about and also i guess looking at my pre-baby self versus my post baby self and I think the realization that a lot of the things that I considered strengths in my personality which were my ability to multitask and have all my ducks in a row and all of those things um, are probably not as relevant in my life today. I still struggle with that in that I expect myself to be that person but I also know that my strengths have shifted and I'm stronger in ways now that I never even realized um, you know just in my ability to support and to be a good mom and to just you know, just chill out occasionally and be okay with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: you know, it's um it's funny how we change our our resources. We we develop a bit of a new toolkit for for dealing with life and um, you know, Peachtree is my work with Peachtree has definitely helped me in that and um it's through them that I've now been able to build my own business, which is fantastic. So, you know, I think everything has Happened exactly the way it needed to happen for me to, I think, get the best out of myself. It's been a pretty horrendous three years, but yeah. but I think I'm. I know it sounds so corny, but I do believe that it's made me a better person in the long run. Yeah.
0: One. So yeah. what what um, rituals or um, routines do you follow to keep yourself balanced and focused now?
1: Well, surprisingly, weekly planning is one (laughs) again that
0: project manager coming out of
1: you (laughs) give me a gantt chart and i'm happy um no look for me it's as simple as having a monthly calendar on the wall and a weekly you know monday to sunday planner on the wall and a bit of a whiteboard and my husband and i use that to i guess communicate and we write down everything that's going on for the week so we always know where we're at um so things like our normal routine activities when the kids are going to daycare um you know doctor's appointments swimming lessons all of those things but i also like to meal plan and i find that that is something that helps me really really like a great deal it's um just being able to, and I do my shopping online, which is another thing that has helped me out um, a lot. So I meal plan. I do my shopping, my grocery shopping online through Coles or Woolies, and um, we're able to sort of keep all of that within a certain context and it really helps.
0: Okay. <laughs> it's an interesting yep. tip. Um, oh, well, you know, <laughs> all the little things help. Yeah, no,
1: that's a great idea. Um <laughs> Okay. Um, Also reading. I take a lot of time out to read. Um, It was something that I didn't do a lot of when I was pregnant and um, had my son, my first babe. Um, But I've rediscovered reading. I joined a book club who we meet monthly and reading is my definite time out. If I need to just get away from life, you know, for a minute, if Dane's taking the kids out the back or whatever, I will happily make myself a cup of tea and, and read my book. Lovely. And, and date nights with my handsome of husband. Of course. That's always nice. So he tries his best, but the best thing we've found is that guys aren't always great with I guess using their initiative to organise these things. So I buy the the vouchers, you know, on the online deal sites. Right. Yeah. For restaurant deals. I buy the vouchers, put them in order of expiry on the noteboard my and goodness you are organized and then all he has to do is ring the restaurant and oh, wonderful. <laughs> so that's what we do and look it works well for us because I'm a quality time person I love the fact that we still can connect on that level and he's perhaps not as organized so by sort of meeting in the middle that way it, it works for us
0: so tell tell the <laughs> listeners. I think it's incredible. You're so, you're motivating me here. to Gosh, maybe I think to be more organised here. probably sounding completely crazy. But no, that's... I think they're fantastic ideas. I'm sure there's many um, women and men out there going, "Ooh," and writing little notes about. That's a great idea. And I think sometimes it's just that visual prompt. So you know, if you if if the little date night cards, it not only helps you select the restaurant that has a deal, but it also prompts you. Ah, date night. And that's a, you know, I think it's great. So, Rani, how can people find you or your programs?
1: Okay. So, Peachtree Perinatal Wellness. So, if I guess any of your listeners are, are families that are experiencing um, antenatal or postnatal depression, anxiety, um, psychosis, or or just feel like they've got a history of mental illness and they're not sure if they're pregnant, um, Peachtree is, has its website um, at www.peachtree.com org au, um, and they're also on Facebook, so you can look them up on Facebook. Um, through Peachtree, I've actually gained registration as a Circle of Security parent educator. Okay. Um, so that's in attachment um, intervention for parenting, and so I've just developed my own business around that called Hands Holding Hands, uh, which is a parent education uh, website and workshops. Uh, so we're planning – well, I have just recently started that, and we've got workshops sort of running throughout the rest of the year. And in conjunction with Peachtree, we're actually offering a series of PEP talks, we call them. So it's Preparing Emotionally for the Perinatal Period, so PEP with a double P. Very good. Um and it's two antenatal workshops and two postnatal workshops and it's really based around the emotional realities and how to prepare for those and I guess, um, you know, strategies for communication with your partner, role changes, um, you know, attachment, all of those things and yeah. helping through that process.
0: That's so not great.
1: Just- focusing on the physical element of pregnancy and birth but also the emotional wellness
0: side of it as well, well that sounds amazing i think people should definitely get in touch with you to to get though if they need that support or they want to, that education to be part of programs they're running that's amazing
1: so hand, oh sorry hands holding hands is on facebook as well and there is a hands holding hands website um at handsholdinghands.com.au so yeah all of those things um are readily able to be found
0: wonderful and i might just give out the beyond blue number as well just yes, if sure. anyone's feeling they wanted to talk to someone um, about what they're experiencing at the moment and that number is 1300 three hundred double two four six three six. if you felt that you needed to chat to someone well it's been great catching up with you today rani and hearing all okay. the amazing projects that you're involved in um it, it's really great i'm sure someone some of the listeners may find that um that they can share similar experiences either in their past, but certainly if you're experiencing some difficulty at the moment that perhaps give Peachtree a call um, or they might even be able to, if they're not in your area, I'm sure they can direct you to some resources. So great. So thank you for being here. Um, So everybody, Thank you for sharing your time with us today. Don't forget to support the show by telling your friends or you can go to our Facebook page, Carrie Thompson Casey, that's Thompson without a P, and like us there and give us your feedback. You can also subscribe to the show in iTunes. And don't forget in iTunes to give us a five-star rating if you like the show and tell all your friends about it. You can also support us by going to the website CarrieThompsonCasey.com. Thank you for joining me and see you in the next episode of The Abnormal Psychologist, where we share real people's stories and give you real ideas so that you can realize your potential. Take care. This has been a production of TheWellnessCouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on Facebook.com forward slash TheWellnessCouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch. streaming wellness into your lives.